With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000 year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parisha as she shares science and ancient knowledge merged together to benefit all of humanity. Greetings and welcome to Windows in Your Mind, brought to you by the Law of Attraction Radio Network. This is Parisha, your host of Windows in Your Mind, a present-time journey into the imaginal realm of reality. This show encompasses the wonders of who we are, a humanity of divine origins. Present time brings us to new frontiers of an intergalactic conversation, and we, beloveds, need to know what's being said. We're looking through a window into the evolving of consciousness, seeking, exploring the mysterious nature of the illusion we call matter, energy, space, and time and how we individually perceive and measure the experience of it. Join me today on Windows in Your Mind as we explore a broad range of topics in the discovery of our place in the cosmos. We explore the realization of quantum as the bridge and coherence as our reality. As we reveal and validate the wisdom of our ancient beginnings as time before time and ancient futures, we exist in the field of infinite possibilities. So let's explore. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network, heard by millions worldwide through 38 internet radio stations and in over 135 countries. Be sure to sign up for your monthly updates and get all the latest information on LOA radio events such as cruises, workshops, and seminars, as well as information on the latest shows, topics, and guests. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com and sign up today. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net that's law of attraction magazine.net 
Hello, fellow star seeds. We're going to talk about all that on today's program. So get a beverage of your choice, get comfortable, and let's journey into the windows in your mind. It's a great time to be in the earth. So as we begin tonight's show, Windows in Your Mind, I'd like to come to discussing many things that's been transpiring and moving forward in my life since the last particular times that we actually were airing Windows in Your Mind. We have come to a place in our world to where there are extraordinary things happening, lots and lots of change. And whether we're ready for it or not, we are in the evolutionary process of lifting consciousness to a much higher level. And to have that awareness actually begin to prepare us for the actual physical changes of our planet and ourselves. So some of the places that we're going for this consciousness, and, and especially the kind what I call the consciousness movement, which means the various communities that are really, really involved in quantum study and theory and looking into the mind and, and what we have discovered with that. We come through, I know, uh, the various phases and stages of things that were once upon a time very normal to our way of life. And one of those things were the particular studies of spirituality, maybe our religious practices, um, you know, stable things that we kind of had passed from one generation to another and become a greater influence on how we thought and how we lived and what we did with life, okay? And, and now all of that's questionable, okay? Things that used to just be accepted because that was the way people said that they were, we're now challenging that. And the new sciences, be they through studies of quantum, but also biology, also the brain, you know, also the whole physiological process of what we are as a physical altar or a physical body, and how that relates to the field of energy that it has its mobility and it expresses itself through. So... We're coming to being a really intelligent species by understanding ourselves as just energy. And I know this is not new for many of you. You've heard it over and over again. And most everything, it either starts out with it or ends up with it, okay? And so I know that we're not going to go into a whole lot of that tonight. But the fact that we must begin to live as energy and make that energy count to being exactly what we want to be and what we will grow up to be as we mature and evolve to a wholeness of what beingness means. One of the processes of that, which for a while I remember many years back, I mean the whole study of, of uh, you know, meditation and mindfulness and everything was very much a part of what a person was doing and where we were going with things, okay? And today... We've come to not doing that so much, but actually, uh, you know, finding shorter ways or what we would consider quicker ways of reaching and obtaining certain levels within that particular reach and study. Okay, and, and I can only tell you that the quickening that has happened, and especially the acknowledgement of that on the scientific teams, okay, says that right now, for you and me or any one of us, to sit down and try to find that particular level of stillness 
it's going to be near impossible because of how fast and rapid all of the energy fields are moving. Okay, but let's just say for the sake of tonight's show that we know that where we're going and what we're going to be discussing tonight, what we're going to do is actually us looking into the fact, okay, that we are just energy. We are atoms and electrons, and we break that down into the particular cellular mass that we are and into the systems that those particular tissues become. And then we have, that goes into the organs, which then actually brings us into having a physical movement or a physical presence that we call a body that walks us through a field of energy where we see ourselves in third dimensional experiences, which are definitely opposites. So we exist in this field, this energy field of opposites. What does that mean? It means that everything must experience the resistance of its presence or it would not have any tangible place in the physical existence of our dimension. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, that means that everything that we say or are can only be if there is the opposite of it also present. Again, we go back through, okay, if there's day, there's night, if there's love, there's hate, and so forth and But how are we really accepting that? You know, how, how are each of us moving along and, you know, exploring our consciousness by actually realizing that it's okay that that other existence is over there, though it's not what I believe or it's not what I want and it's not what I would have, okay, but it exists. Are we real about that? Are we really in the place of intelligently looking at that? And you know how we will know if that becomes the field of greater experiences that we'll stop killing and warring against each other. In the field of opposites, there's tolerance and there's acceptance. And if we understand that that is what that is and that's what that is. And there's, you know, each has their place. And what I mean by their place, it means one actually validates the other. So, you know, I think that the greater example of that is in some of the religious studies and how, you know, I've had people, especially very uh, devout Christians, will actually go through a lot of hate for Judas. But then if we really understand energy and we understand the field of opposites, when it comes to the part in Scripture, whether you accept it or not, that Jesus actually tells Judas, go now and do as you need to do, okay? There is an understanding then, a very, very uh, high intelligence at that point between Judas and Jesus that could be saying, and I say could be because I'm not telling you you have to believe it this way, I'm just giving an example, okay, that one has to be if the other is going to be. And so... For the whole message in Jesus' life, be it your understanding that his whole life is lived out teaching and showing and emanating what the Christ consciousness is that we can obtain, then we have to understand it has to come to conclusion. It has to come to whatever the bottom line is to the message. Well, that message in this case, if you're looking at it as Judas being a major role player in the message of Christ consciousness and Jesus evolving to that, then we would have to say, without Judas, 
he could not have become the Christ. It needed Judas to play his role as much as Jesus needed to play his role. So are we evolving to being intelligent enough to not make one or the other the good and the bad guy here? You know, can we evolve to understanding that this is harmony? What is harmony? You know, when I ask a, a number of, of very, what I consider very well-studied spiritual people, harmony to them becomes all of these la-la kind of things and beautiful thoughts of just, you know, this blissed-out state and everything. And it's like, well, practically and in the Native perspective, we understand harmony means that both sides are present. And both sides are given equal respect. In the tradition that I was raised in as a Cherokee, respect is our only law. It's our only rule. Okay. So respect meant, okay, if that's what that is, no matter how much it might not be what I want or what I would say I would do or whatever, whatever, I have to respect that it is as important in whatever this role is as I am. Okay, so if I'm saying that I'm teaching light and love and all this other stuff, then I have to be okay that there's a sorcerer over there that's actually doing the dark teachings, you know. And, you know, am I allowing for that to be a place and a need in the second, you know, dual, this role of duality that it needs to be performed? Well, if I want to be validated, I have to. So we're still in the, the juvenile state of making things wrong and killing them as solutions. Insane. It just absolutely is insane. You know, we get into politics and everybody has to accept it this way or what, what are the outcomes? You know what I'm saying? And so that's, that's what I'm talking about. We are in the process of that showing its need to change. Okay, and we, we're beginning to think about that. You know, people are beginning to talk about that. People are beginning to feel that. And then they, they go into their reactionary processes by beginning to stop themselves from, you know, having those kind of what I call jerk me responses that, okay, it's my way or no way at all, or blah, 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 blah. No, it doesn't work that way. And so... When we come to this, we begin to allow a greater reality, okay? We, we allow a greater presence of that reality. Now, I know there's a whole bunch of people out there saying, but then what about the guy that's running around killing everybody? What about the guys this? What about the guys that? Okay, again, we have to come to a point of where, where have we made the decisions of the solutions to this? What are the solutions to become totally passive and not care one way or the other who's killing who and just begin to be that state of passivity? I don't know that any of us have reached that. I can only, I can only speak for myself. I haven't reached that, okay? For me, there are times that I am in a place of very openness about that and that I see people actually both contributing to a situation that's unhappy or combative, abusive, or anything, and they're mutually exchanging whatever that is, one being maybe in a greater justifiable place than the other, but still all the same, the abusiveness is going back and forth, equally shared and distributed, okay? 
And I find myself watching that. And then the observing of myself is I don't have the need to fix that. And, you know, over my life, and now at 74, I look at that and realize for the a major part of, of my youth and, and my young womanhood, I was a fixer. You know, I, I needed to bandage and fix everything and find a solution for everything and create a salve for every wound. You know, I mean, I was a fixer. And so then I had to start looking at it and realizing sometimes when I spent my time or did all of this fixing, I was totally bewildered by the fact that it didn't stay very long and it didn't last and it went right back to being whatever I thought I had fixed it from. And then slowly but surely the realization comes along that it's not mine to fix, that I have to, I can be an influence by being an example, but the parties themselves have to fix it, okay? And then going from that to the next thing to the next thing. Well, in our evolution, and especially the evolution of our consciousness, we are coming to look at things and seeing what they really are and having the solution of realizing that we can either put order in, I mean, we're looking at the state of confusion and conflict, and the order can be what? The order can simply sometimes be stepping forward with a solution, uh, a solution for right now, or sometimes it's the role of the shaman that says, I can ask the question that actually creates the person thinking and coming to their own solution, which is what I like to do, okay? So basically, you know, we are evolving to the fact of understanding intelligently the only time there is truly a solution is when there is no violence and when it's thought out and both parties in an, an incident, you know, both people or whatever sides there may be actually have some satisfaction of, of finding something in it that they are okay with. And then the resolve happens. And we're coming to that. And the, and the beauty of that is that that's actually the state that we're in right now. And when I say that, I need to go back and in the reference of all of the indigenous communities and the indigenous uh, people that I talk to, especially the seers and the visionary people who see the future or actually are tablet, tablet readers and are reading what the particular uh, prophecies are of their peoples and so forth and that. It's, it's amazing to me in one respect and yet very much, I have to laugh at just how, okay, do, are you really surprised, Parisha, or you, did you really know? Is how accurate they are and how timely they are. And you think, okay, this was written how many hundreds of years ago, and how could it be so detailed, perfect right now? Well, you know, then we have to go back, whether we accept it or not, and say, you know, have we been here before? Not so much that we're having the, the sense or the feeling of deja vu, but that, you know, this is all so familiar again. Or here we are again at this particular place and time. It's like coming to December 25th. I mean, you know ahead of time and you know presently what December 25th usually is and that there's some kind of global reaction to it, whether you're Christian or not, okay? And then you actually at that point realize that this comes every cyclic time 
at the same time of that whatever cycle is that year, right? But you don't arrive there the same. You know, what is the difference of that sameness is you, me, in circumstances. Our world doesn't arrive back to that particular point in the cyclic movement without there being these changes, these accumulations of evolution, and that we evolve to the, that particular point of December 25th. But then the real situation is how are we in this moment? You know, are we, what have, what have we actually learned or acquired over that year? Okay, how, how is this, this particular event this time different than the last time or the many last times? How is it, how is it with what we plan futuristically for it to be? So the point is, is that we can arrive to the same slot of measure, you know, the same period of time, but there's nothing the same. The, you know, in, in respects to you and life and how that unfolds and the cycles of that is the reality of the evolution that we do consciously. So, Though, you know, for us to start thinking about what our world is, is involved in right now. Okay, I know in listening to uh, my husband and son are in the business of doing disaster restoration and drying out the watered down homes or where, the, where people have damages of one sort or another. And actually, in some cases, having to tear down and rebuild parts of the home or the whole home, okay? And then seeing those effects on people and how people change and evolve with that and how we can say that this disaster really, in most cases, bring people to a whole nother turn of life. And it brings us to those serious beginnings. Well, our earth is going through those weather changes right now. Our, our earth is actually challenging humanity with a whole lot of circumstances that people weren't prepared for and insurances can't pay you for, okay? And so, again, it's going to push us to the point of where we have to start thinking. We have to be prepared. So we come to a place to where we're actually seeing the fact that, uh, we, you know, we, we're going to have to look at being part of that survivalist group, okay? that it's really good intelligence to put aside for a rainy day in as much as, you know, don't just have one bottle of ketchup or don't just have one one thing of this, you know, that you put two or three aside and that you realize that you have maybe two or three months of food stores. I can tell you in all of the going into communities and helping and putting things back together in people's lives that have been through some of these traumas, okay, is it is you know God has blessed us with those people who did keep a pantry that did have some extra items set aside that in that moment these were the most essential and important things so instead of judging those people let's look at the fact that it makes sense to do that so when we're when we're looking at what we may actually consider the opposite of what we would do Maybe we need to think about that a little more. Why, why do we feel it's opposite of us? 
And here's the other thing I know with all the brain research and work I've done over these 45 years of studying the brain and its, its process, most of the time we identify in others what we are thinking and where we have been and what we are capable of and the whole thing. So we, we really can't point the finger or throw stones at other people. You know what I mean? We really have to look at making this something that makes greater sense to us, which is actually to, you know, think about it, put it into the perspective, and move forward with it. So the point that I want to make here is that we move from, you know, looking into a world and thinking that a lot of things are wrong when we could look into the world and know that a whole lot of things are just happening and that we're on top of it and that we will see it through. Whatever your perspective of particular present times, whether you're concerned about the changings uh, that's happening and the weather things that are happening and maybe even just situations in your own life to where you're realizing you're ready for a change. You know, something something isn't gelling anymore. You know, you want to move on. Well, any and all of that is perfect. It's so very perfect because we are not stagnant energy. We are ever moving and active. And some of it may be a little bit more uh, greeted or accepted a little bit more with, with some measure of resistance. Okay, you know, don't make it the end of the world. Don't make it any harder. You know, get your grip, you know, get, get stable and, and move forward because we are in changing times. There's no greater adventure and exciting place to be right now than in the earth. And we're, we're learning. I mean, look at the fact that they're actually offering space trips Maybe not in some people's budget, but they're actually offering trips to the moon. You know, you have Google who has the fact that they know that in 2020, they're actually going to have a colony and a city under a dome in one of the craters on the moon. Really, you know, we're looking at the fact that science is now telling us that we can travel at warp speed. They've actually made another enterprise. I mean, you Trekkies ought to be in heaven. I mean, you know, they have made your reality our reality. So they've, got a, they've built us an enterprise, and they've put a lot of the things that the weekly adventures of Star Trek has actually brought into our mind space and our reality now. And now they have moved into actually being able to embrace and move with the truth of knowing we can move in warp speed. What does that mean? That means breaking through the particular walls of time or matter or whatever we believed didn't give us access to those parallels and all those other levels of intelligent life. I mean, there you know, you're just not in the backwoods anymore and you want to begin to understand right now, that this is your life and everything that's going on is just really fantastic. I'm 74 and I am so very happy to come to this part of my life and still be able to know that I am in a time of seeing all these wondrous things that I've always known. You know, back 50 years ago, I was teaching quantum physics and people just absolutely thought I was nuts or outrageously crazy. You know, right now, those of you who have been very intuitive and could actually 
see energy and understand that you could give readings and things to people. You were considered charlatans. Now you're there. You're being asked for advice. I know that when I used to talk to people about the prophecies of my people and the indigenous community, the very intelligent or, or very uh, you know knowledgeable people, so they thought thought that that was just superstition and craziness. Only now to be looking at it and saying, uh, can you guys give us a little heads up here? You know, it's uh, obviously part of your prophecies, and what are we to expect next? I mean, we're actually having people ask us that. Okay, so, you know, what what's present, what's future, what's past? You know, the things that we're studying in the field of energy, we know that there's no time. Okay, we know now how to look at things in a different perspective. Maybe you're not caught up with it, beloveds. Maybe right now it's still you in the past, okay, and you in that box that you have created around yourself. But the more you study and the more you look into it now, the more you're going to understand. And there's no way you could stay in that box. You're going to jump. You're going to leap into the fact that where we're at right now, is, the, is exactly where the present is, and that in the coherence of that, we are so much more than a body and a mind, okay? So as we're looking at that, just, you know, kind of hold tight and get in the excitement of it and stay, stay very devoted to your practices that are helping you think different, you know, helping you not be locked in to whatever the past memories and uh, particular beliefs are. You know, getting over all of those beliefs sometimes is a very, very strong, uh, you know, practice. And it's okay. You can do it. Take it to where you want to. You deserve the happiness that it brings. When we're talking about that, I want to talk about some of the work that I've done in research on what we consider memories. And a lot of the teaching I do is to help people come to their body awareness, because the body, to my tradition and the way I was raised and the, the teachings that I have, is the word for body and altar the same. And some of you who have uh, listened to me before and come to the teachings, you know that that's what I tell you all the time. The body is your altar. It's where the macro and the micro meet in that particular place. It's you. We have the heart math sciences and things are teaching us now that it, it, that what we consider mind or, or the thought process is actually stimulated from the heart. We have these wonderful pictures to where you're, you're seeing all of the energy of the mind and everything, and then there's this actual bright flash of light that will move from the heart to the mind, and then all of the neurons take place and start moving, and then we're thinking. So we know now that all of the intelligence of what we are as everlasting life or everlasting energy actually is there in the heart and moves to the neurons and stimulates all of the neurological process after that, as well as then the physiology of how that works its way through the body. Well, in our teachings, I often have to remind students, we have three minds, okay? And that would be the one in the top of your head, okay? That would be your heart, and that definitely is your, your optic nerve as well as what I call the heart would be the central nervous system or the spinal cord. All of that being 
brains, which means there's a process that they take things through in a system, in a systematic way that produces chemicals then that have, you know, whatever effects we have with that is our life or our feelings, okay? And one of the things that I find many people don't understand is, is when we're talking about the past, we're, we're, we're talking about memories, and sometimes those memories tie us to a past experience or to a past time that never allows us to be present in the now and surely doesn't allow the now to actually have any future implications, okay? So I want to talk about how right now everything that, we, that actually comes to us and the process that it goes through comes up through the spinal cord, okay? and goes into the thalamus, so that when we're sitting and finding that mindful state, which is not so much trying to enter into uh, the de definition of meditation as not thinking and not, not being in thought, okay? Even to think you're not in thought is a thought, okay? So let's, let's not go into all of that right now. But right, you know, that the energy travels up through the spinal cord, which in the teachings of the East and in the indigenous perspectives, the spinal cord is either the great serpent or the Kundalini, which is one and the same, okay? And then it moves into the thalamus, okay? So if we, if we consider just an aspect of that, then we can actually go to thinking about where we form memories in our vision. So many of our memories are encoded just through what we see or how we interpret what we're seeing. So there. So let's come back to let's let's think about what really is going on, in the fact that when we when we think, we think that that is that you know the point of vision or the interaction of that is just an effortless thing, and we don't understand all of the energy that's taking place at that particular moment and what has just gone through every cell and every part of our body. Okay, and. Right now, you know, there's roughly, we know that there's roughly 130 million cells in the eye's retina. I mean, you look in the mirror and you see that little black thing in the middle of your eye, okay? 130 million cells, okay? We call them cones and rods, but I mean, these are cells in, and there's 130 million of them right there. They process and record 100 million bytes of information from the landscape, meaning wherever you're looking out at, okay? This, the vast amount of that data is then collected and sent down the optic nerve, okay, which is behind the eye, and this transports into 9 million bytes of information per second and onto the thalamus, okay? So just listen to these extraordinary numbers and how fast everything's happening and everything's done. You're not aware of that. You know, that is so automatic and that has taken place, yet there's such a huge resource of energy happening. So if you, you, you begin to look at that, then you begin to say, wow, you know, the, just to have a thought, just, just to record that I just looked at a flower, you know. And from there, the information then reaches up to the occipital lobe at the very back of our brain, okay? And that's up there by the neocortex, okay? The visual cortex, in turn, begins the otter's process of analyzing all of that data. So then the visual cortex 
consists of several patches at the back of the brain. And by patches, I mean sections. Okay, and each one of them have an assigned task or an assigned action or a means and ways of working and processing. So let's talk about one being a screen that we actually, it's just like looking at the computer or the, the movie theater, whatever, and it, it creates a, a pattern and it goes in the back of the brain. And it's very similar in shape and form to whatever the original image would be, only we're forming the memory of it. Okay, this image then bears a striking resemblance to whatever the original uh, energy field is that we're recording in that memory time. Through that, we begin to send that throughout the whole system that then becomes part of the memory that we obtain and hold to. And then we, we actually have to take that and think, okay, in 24 hours after you have seen anything and you have memory of it, whether it be reading a book, listening to this program, whatever you're doing, within 24 hours it begins to break up. So when we're teaching students to actually use or take a particular process and procedure into action and using it to gain their health, wealth, and happiness projects, okay, you have to act upon it in 24 hours. You have to put it in motion for it to actually stay very current. So what I'm, but the point is I'm bringing is, okay, you got all these memories and we keep going to the past. We keep thinking about the dog that bit us or, you know, the day that mom slapped us in the face or, you know, something that had more tragic implication. The truth being that that's stored in there, and in 24 hours it breaks up into many sected areas, and it goes, because of the chemical base, it carried it into some part of our body. And I'm going to go through all the anatomy and physiology. This is kind of a crash course, so please bear with me. But when we come to all of the changes and things that we're looking at today, we can only go to memory of how that affected us at some other point. And if we, if we don't have any personal experience with it, but people are going to tell us what they saw and lived through, and that would be our parents and grandparents and how horrible that was after World War whatever, whatever, that's our beliefs. And that's what we will fill in in our landscape when we look out into the world. Whether it's present or not, we will create it as so. So when I hear people today talking about everything that we're doing and the changes that we're having, and then I hear them discussing the memories of back then when it was like this or back then when it was that way or this way. It's like, I don't want to talk about back then. I want to talk about right now. Right now, here's what's going on, and here's what I'm seeing, and here's what I'm allowing. I don't want it to stop to the little box that's in the middle of my brain. I want to step outside that box, and I want to know what's coming and what's going on, and how is this affecting me right now. Right now is all I have. Right now is all we can live. Right now, being in time and in presence, the only thing that's real. So if we're back there in memories and all of this, we're using all of this energy and we're trying to hold those memories and the truth being that it breaks up and then moves into other parts of the, the what we would consider the physical field, 
And in 24 hours, we don't have any effect for it. So we have to move into action as soon as you realize something is what you want it to be and that you're going to use it. So right now, when we are studying or learning how to be in present time, you don't want to think back there. You want to think right now. And whatever you're hearing right now that makes sense and you feel you can apply it and use it and become better because of it, that's what you want to do. That's where you want to be. And then the extraordinariness of life begins to happen, beloveds. If you're bored or depressed, it's fear. Something has come into the range of thought and process that it, that's making you afraid. Maybe you're afraid of earth changes, you know. There's been a lot said about it. Maybe depending on whatever your religious involvement is, maybe someone has said we're coming to the end of the world and you don't feel you're exactly prepared to go to the best of places, whatever. Those are memories. And in those memories, we have to realize the process that we go through to have a memory is extraordinary. Okay? That whatever... You know, we're just taking, when I gave you the example of the, the optic nerve, that's one part of the memory. That's the vision part of the, the memory, what we see and what we make of what we see, whether it be what really is taking place. We're influencing it with what we think it is or what it's saying or how it's coming up. So how can we judge? You know, how, how can we make wrong and have right? How can something be black and something be white? Okay, because it's opposites. And when we come into realizing how we fill them in, okay, and, and, and we remember that the signals from our five senses and our organs plus emotions that are associated with each thing that we see, okay, and then, then we have other senses that come into play, not only what we see, but what do we smell, what, what's the feeling, you know. Then we're living in what kind of reality? I can tell you we're living in the reality of energy. And when you start accepting that it's energy, you can take control of it. You can command it. I love how Dr. Bruce Lipton gives his particular presentation and talks about the fact that if you're a control freak, that's really good and all right because you have trillions of duplicated cells of yourself that you're in command of. Okay, what does that mean? That means every cell of our body is an absolute 100% duplication of the totality of what our body is. Every cell. And I've played with this. I've gone through the labs and the studies over the years and everything. I mean, it's absolutely just amazing, okay? And so now you come to saying, oh, wow. So they respond to what you think and what you believe and what you're seeing or what you're feeling or, you know, what you're hearing. They respond. How do you want that response? You want to make something that you're looking at and thinking that it's not exactly what you want it to be or would want to be or whatever, and therefore it has to be killed or destroyed or whatever, are you looking at it and saying, hmm, that's different. That's, that's totally opposite. 
of what I was thinking or what I want or what I believed or whatever. And then beginning to entertain that what we're moving to in consciousness is saying, and it has its place. It has its place in the earth and in the field of duality. It has its place. I remember in in the wee hours and days of my childhood with the wonderful and, and intelligent uh, family and grandmother that was always my daily school and influence. We would be in the forest and you would see the various levels of the food chain being acted out and, and I would always have a reaction to that. I loved the rabbits and I didn't want anything killing the rabbits. I didn't want anything killing anything to have to eat. You know, and I was going through all of my stuff in my developmental time was, you know, finding out how that feels, how you get in touch with that and finding just the consistency of the observance of that and how my elders would speak to me, how my grandmother would help me talk through that or see that and see it in the wholeness of what it was. So that each particular creature in the forest, which maybe, you know, could be life-threatening if it was put into a situation where that become a challenge. But how we were able to move through the forest, and there could be a mountain lion, there could be a bear, you know. Uh, wolves weren't very common in my particular homeland, but in places where I've gone north and the wolves are there. And, and knowing that it's okay because I allow that. They don't fear. They don't attack out of fear. Because, see, that's how we kill. We fear what we don't know, what we can't understand. And then the, the whole recourse of that is to kill it, get rid of it. And because in your mind and your consciousness you've come to a place to where you accept that everything has its place, that everything has to have its opposite in order to exist, and you not just become tolerant of it, you become intelligently accepting of it. And then all of those creatures, I in, in all the, the memories I have of that and how I often use that when I come into places where there's such confusion and, and stuff going on that needs to have order and balance and harmony put into it, is that when you allow everything to have its rites of passage, when you allow that everything has great purpose, when you allow that there is a creator that has created it all and given it mission and movement and, and placement of things. Then, then you begin to step aside and let something walk past. Then you begin to give something more room and not crowd it. Then you, you know, then you begin to study and look at it with an openness of, of uh, admiration. And if not admiration, the very willingness to respect. Okay. And to then understand the only rule of survival we have is if something in its decision actually would move to harms. I didn't find any of that. I found that wherever we went because of the intelligence of who she was and how she thought and how, how she looked to everything with love and respect, that nothing challenged us, nothing come to harming us and when 
I remember a particular incident of, of childhood. Well, not childhood, probably a little bit more like the teen years. And there was a bear that somebody had shot and didn't kill it. And it must have gotten away or whatever, but it was making all kinds of noise and carrying on and kind of upsetting everything else in the forest around it. And how she went to look for it. And uh, I had no fear of her finding it and me being with her and what would happen to us or nothing. No fear at all because that wasn't what she was emanating. And when she found it and it saw us, it started carrying on and, you know, making some aggressive, you know, particular movements toward us. But she just continued to very softly chant. And then it began to calm down. And after a while, it just sat down rolling in its misery of its wound. And then she went to it and very, it gave it plenty of time, touched it, and just stayed very still. And then after a matter of time passes, she begins to work on its wound. And every once in a while, it would be obvious that for how she was working and getting out the gun, uh, the bullet or whatever, it would be very tender and it would let out a big groan in that. But never at her. You know, we, we don't trust that. We don't we don't want to believe that something would really allow that kind of love and care and relationship. And in it then we don't we don't allow it to become our reality. Well that consciousness is changing. That if we understand that there is this because this exists, if we kill this off, then the whatever this other is won't be there. So if we we don't understand and respect that some people have to have that that is totally different than where we are. Then what we are can't have its own existence. So I just uh, appreciate that you've allowed me to share a lot of perspective on consciousness and, and duality that we're moving to. And it's very, very good to be back with Jules and our LOA network and uh, I wish you to take a, a few days and consider some of these things that I've talked to you about and uh, see how you could put them to work in your life. And, and, and the big, strongest message I can leave to you, beloveds, is trust yourself. You really are special. You really are chosen. And any time you doubt that, I want you to look at those fingertips and realize no one in the world has your same fingerprint. You are so original and unique in creation that there are no two of you. And therefore, then there is that wonderful purpose of why then you exist at all. And that the only way you can exist is in the fact that you were created to be so. And in that, there is such magnificent love so that we can use that love to actually be totally in respect that not all things are going to be as we think they should be, that not all things are going to fit in the particular way we would like them to fit, but that if we can be stronger and bigger in our love and respect, we can make sure that everything lives a life of all good things. So I'm going to say goodbye for now and look forward to talking to you again. And let's get together the next week. And meanwhile, remember that in 24 hours, 
All this information will be scattered and stored in various other places within the body. Do something with it. Not only journal, but I mean take action on it. And I wish you health, wealth, and happiness always. You take care now. Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact Grandmother, please visit parishas-world.com. P-A-R-I-S-H-A-S-world.com.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.